on tap here. Just try your best. Oh, I tell you what though, you know, there's there's some of those teams out there in baseball that really ought to start counting themselves out. You know who you are though. You don't need us to tell you. You know who you are. <laughs> we are Lollygagging Sports. I am Bo Reed along with Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. With you with another week of baseball and football because football season has started. But first, uh, let me check in on on, on my, my friends here. Samantha, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. How are you doing, Bob? You know, I can't complain. It's been a fun week. <laughs> a little, little bit downer news today with Scherzer, but I expected that after watching last night. That's, that's okay. But for the most part, it's been a fun week. <laughs> I have no joy, no sports joy, except for college football. So, can't relate. Uh, mm, yeah, <laughs> very yeah. bleak here. Very yeah. bleak. Penn State's looking nice and mean. <laughs> yeah, it's the one thing that's going right currently. <laughs> Irby, how about you? Well, I mean, you hit it well there with the college football. Uh, yeah, things are going great here. We got, got that Longhorn win. Uh, not an upset win, the Longhorn win. In Tuscaloosa over Bama, but a uh, great start. But you got to keep it together. Don't go losing to Wyoming after that. And uh, I will not use the phrase that is being overused about somebody being not in the present or the future. So just leave it at that. Uh, you know, I have actually paid very close attention since Saturday to college football. So I'm just going to be happy that I'm ignorant to that situation. Happy I take the win as it is. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, we're going to talk some NFL. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to get back to remembering some trades from from our, our, our baseball past uh, at the end of the show. But let's start, Samantha. Let's start with the NFL. Um, of course, the talk of the NFL right now is what happened on Monday night. Um, but I, you know, I wanted to, I, I, I guess, take a different approach here. You know, every, every, everyone knows that what happened, you know, Aaron Rodgers going down and, and you know, how how bad that is for him and the Jets, but you know, I, it has struck me with all the coverage since that it, it's almost like everyone didn't seem to understand that the Jets really were a good football team with him. Maybe it's just me. I to me, it's not so much that they weren't a good football team with him; it's that he wasn't good enough as a quarterback, in my opinion, given what we saw of him last year to do what they thought they were going to do. Like, I think the Jets are a talented football team, actually. I mean, I have some questions about coaching um, (laughs) that we're going to have to see how it goes. Um, But uh, there's a lot of talent on that roster. And I'm I'm kind of with you in the sense that I I think I was never as excited about, like, this is such a complete team. And it's like, oh, they're a good team. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, I, I think my thing with it was more like, yeah, this looks like a good team, and then they would have been better with Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know that I think they were a division winner with Aaron Rodgers because, I mean, he's old, and this this isn't even a knock on Aaron Rodgers. It's just that he's old. He was probably going to get hurt at some point, and he didn't look great a year ago. I'm not sure why going to the Jets, which had many similar problems to the problems that the Packers had, mm-hmm. was going to be an improvement. So. You know, great career, but, like, you know, he was on his way out statistically anyway. I'm just not sure I ever bought that. Um, Of course, now you have a worse problem, which is Zach Wilson, which, I mean, I can get my Zach Wilson is good shirt back out, right? Like, which is, of course, obviously, (laughs) because somebody won't get it. It's sarcastic. (laughs) I got it. It's funny. (laughs) I know you get it, but, you know, there will be someone. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think the Jets are, we're never what Jets fans, and, and quite frankly, a number of our media colleagues thought they would be. That was never going to happen, but now right. it's like really super never going to happen. So. Yeah, it's not. Yikes. Well, okay, so here, here's our question before we go over to Irby. Here's my question. Irby, I want you to answer this one as well. Um, when they realize, probably after Zach Wilson faces that Cowboys defense this week, when they realize that Zach Wilson's just not going to get them there, who is the target? Who do they go after? Because we now we we already know it's not Tom Brady. Thank you for that piece of news today. Although I don't really think that's news. I've heard Cooper Rush's name mentioned, which makes sense. Uh, what do you think, Samantha? Where, where, where do they go? Is it trade? Is it, is it bring somebody out of retirement? Is it Joe Flacco time with the Jets again? Well. First of all, they don't need to face the Cowboys defense to know that. They know that. Everybody in the building knows that. There is nobody in the Jets organization that thinks that Zach Wilson is going to be fine. That's part one of this. So they know this. Um, he, he just wanted to mention the Cowboys defense. You see how he slipped that in there? Very clever. That's what I do. Um, but um, I, the big thing to me is, like, I'm not sure I think they're going after anybody. I mean, Robert Salas sat right there and said Zach Wilson is the quarterback this season. And, you know, we all know that many things like this are said that people will say, this is the quarterback and it's true until it's not right. So it's not a guarantee that uh-huh. they're not going to go out and go after somebody, but you know, he was pretty honest, uh, refreshingly honest, I think uh, in his post games, particularly with the way he was talking about Rogers and not trying to mask the severity of the situation or give us a, well, we haven't seen the results yet. He was, he was very straight about it, which I appreciated, but, um, and I don't know, you know, we don't know if that's true. Um, he certainly said it like he believed it to be true, at mm-hmm. least for the moment. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know who you go after here. I mean, I think it's sort of ridiculous, all these, like, old guys, like, people you want to drag out of retirement types, you know. Like, I'm not really buying the, like, Joe Flacco or the well, – he, did he retire? I don't even know. I don't know where he is. Um you know, Philip Rivers is not coming back. Matt Ryan is not coming back. I mean, in, more realistically speaking, I, I think you're probably trying to make a trade and, and you're probably targeting like somebody like Jacoby Brissett. Hmm. I actually don't know if Flacco retired. I don't think he actually officially retired, but he's obviously not rostered. He's not on a team, though, right? right? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm confused about. Okay, so he is. Then I will consider. I'm going to throw him in the old guy not coming bucket. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like that. The old guy not coming back bucket. We need to make that a thing. <laughs> I wish I had a physical bucket that I could write that on. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just make a trip to Lowe's or Home Depot. It's fine. <laughs> you can probably get one on Amazon now. Think about it. Irby, how about you? Where are you at with the Jets and buckets? I, yeah, I could use some buckets there. Sorry, I, I'm not the one to ask on this. I've got no no empathy, sympathy, care, any of that stuff. Zero, none, Crimea River. Because my team just went to the NFC Championship with four quarterbacks. So I don't care. Bob, boo-hoo, you build your team. Build your team. And that's where I'm, I'm with what Samantha said. I love what Robert Solid says. It's just, hey, Zach's our guy. We got to go forward. Like, there's no point in doing this whole, well, what about Brady and Flacco and all that? Like, stop. None of that's going to help. Go with the guys that are in the locker room. Go with the guys that have been there. Like, is he the best quarterback? No. Is he a good quarterback? Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's who's on your team. It's who you put together. So, sorry. This, I, I have zero, zero sympathy for this. I, I know I'm probably in the minority there of, of feeling this way, but after having what I just went through, figure it out. Like, this would get paid for. 
I'll figure it out, you know, and if that means bringing in Nathan Peterman, then do it. Is that who you bring in? Or who you think they'll bring in? No, I definitely don't bring in Nathan Peterman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that you're talking about this like you're a press guy whose team went to the, the NFC Championship last year. Right. After what I've been through. Right. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Golly, guys. Golly, yeah. I mean, my team hasn't seen the NFC Championship game since I was a freshman in high school, but yeah. Let's talk about I your back-to-back to, back to back trip. Also true. <laughs> and my, my semi sort of never really going to be my team team has lost like four Super Bowls. So I win and Bo wins. Um, no, you, I, I think you win this one, Samantha. I think you edged me out on that because I at least still have a team. I, yes, that's probably true. Um, but <laughs> the, the point is, is that Irby does not win. Irby does not get to be oppressed no. coming off of an NFC Championship season. Man, playing that playing that victim card hard after an NFC Championship run, huh? <laughs> Man. <laughs> I don't feel bad for the Jets because I had to use four quarterbacks when I was one game away from the Super Bowl last year. Yes. <laughs> Poor me. This is about me right now. <laughs> Man, where's my "Cry Me a River" soundtrack? I don't have that. Oh, that'd been good. For, that'd be good to. Dust you could that play. One off. What's, what's the opposite of the Gundy soundbite right now? I am not being a man, right? <laughs> All right, let's let, let's flip gears. Let's talk about those lions because those that listened to our show last week know exactly how high on the lions. We are now. None of us, I don't think, thought they were going to walk into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs, but they did. So, I think it's time. Are we going to double down here, Samantha, on the Lions' playoff chances here? I, mean, I know it's only one win. It's only one game, and I, I really, I'm, I'm getting kind of tired of the, of this talk of putting an asterisk on it because the, the Chiefs weren't full strength. That is still difficult to do what the Lions did, based especially considering their recent history. I'd love to overreact. If we're going to overreact to something, the Lions are the one I want to, want to overreact to and put them in the playoffs. Yeah, look, this whole, it doesn't count because the Chiefs were down. Oh, like, here's the, the really, truly oppressed. Um, everyone has injuries. So are you going to asterisk every single game where a key player has not been present and somebody upset them because that's going to be like 50% of the NFL season, especially when you have a season ender. You don't have to mark every Jets game that way. You ready to do that? That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So if you want to asterisk it, the only thing that I can say about that is that week one is weird, right? Like we don't always know who people are after week one. So I, I think it's fine to say in a sort of experimental sense that, you know, that there's an, somewhat honest or potentially honest answer where you can truly say that it's reasonable that we don't know if the Lions would have won that game if Kansas City had all their players. Sure, of course. So that doesn't tell us anything except that, like, the Chiefs have some issues that they need to address. And, like, yeah, it's a bummer when you don't have one of your best players on offense. And also, by the way, Chris Jones being there would probably not have changed anything about that game. So, you know, you can throw that one out. Um, so, and as I said, after the game, um, I think that the fact that Kadarius Tony did play was far more of a cause for your loss than Travis Kelsey not playing. So, So, (laughs) you know, you've got some shit you need to sort out 
like amongst the people who are still standing mm-hmm. there. And it's like, I, yeah, like, don't, don't you're gonna hang that on poor Travis Kelsey. Like, we're never gonna win another game again, even with the best quarterback in the NFL. If you don't unhyper extend your knee, like, figure it out, man. Like, <laughs> I, this is ridiculous. Like, and, and hey, you know what? The Lions are good. Like, and they beat you. So, like, they beat you. And <laughs> there was not a questionable call in it the way that the Jets won their game in overtime where you just missed something that might have completely changed it. It was just like you just lost, man. So you've got to eat that. The Lions are a good team. Um, I think they have some remaining defensive issues and perhaps do play calling issues that they do need to sort out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Like, they're good. And, and you beat the Super Bowl champ, and I think that's awesome. And they're my favorite to win the North. Mm-hmm. And I think they have some potential to make some noise in the playoffs. So yeah, all aboard the Lions hype train. Like the Chiefs and the Chiefs will be fine, by the way. The Chiefs are gonna be fine. Yeah. Everybody just calm down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and just kinda just put the exclamation point on the north. Minnesota didn't exactly look inspiring on Sunday. So yeah, I'm with you. Know, I think the Lions are the best team. Irby, how about you? Where are you at here with the Lions? Well, you get- you guys talked about losses with an asterisk, you know, due to injuries. So here comes 49er sympathy round two. No, no, I won't do it. Wow. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, look, there's not much more I could say about that house. The best to put that, that it's, these teams are so close. It's week one. I mean, they're, they're, every year we get this in week one where you're like, wow, that did not look right. And then, you forget about it once you move on. Kansas City, like I said, will be fine. This was not about what's wrong with Kansas City. Are they? Is this the end? Is it all over with? This is this is Kansas City. This is a great opportunity to go. Oh yeah, we got to fix that. Detroit. No, this is this is the the coming out party. Like we talked about. Today, you've been talking about it. What is this year three? Like keep an eye on these lions. This is not a joke. These guys are building something, and this is their year. And, and we saw last year of them starting to make noise. Here we are now of they are announcing their presence. Is there stuff to be fixed? Absolutely. Um, but, no, I, I love what we're seeing from Detroit. I love what we saw with that division. Um, I, you know, I, you could say, well, is Green Bay just as good? Yeah, well, I, I think that game proves how bad the Bears are. But, yes, I love what we're getting from the Lions. Kansas City will be fine. It's both teams. It's a great opportunity week one to look the, have the game, play the game, sit down and realize there are set 16 more of these to go, 17 weeks, 16 more games to go. Everybody chill. Stop making all your trades. This is not fantasy football. You're not making trades. You're dropping everybody. I still want to overreact on this one and say the Lions are definitely a playoff team. It's an overreaction, but that's what that's what you know the 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 week after week one is about is overreacting. Well, let's overreact a little and have some fun doing it. I'm taking the line. It's not a, I don't think that's a bad bet. I, I have heard far far worse takes on week one, <laughs> so I, I think that's a, a fairly reasonable overreaction. All right. Speaking of, okay, speaking of that, one more thing before we get into baseball. Uh, week one was just all over the map crazy as we've just got through talking about, right? Like, it's, it was a little on the nuts side. And it made me wonder, because we've gone from what seems like, you know, a scripted, dramatic series to improv night. 
not a half half serious question here, Samantha. Is the writer's strike affecting the NFL season now? Because it's not as crisp and and predictable as as we've we've we're used to seeing the NFL be. So okay, so what I can't decide is is it truly like essentially what would really happen under a writer's strike, which is it all just reverts to reality TV, right? And we know that today most reality TV is scripted, but like old mm-hmm. school reality TV, like season one Jersey Shore, is that what we're dealing with? Is that why this looks so chaotic and weird and like nobody knows what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Like it's a possibility. But I also think that we have to give a nod to, you know, the NFL scriptwriters who may or may not be working this season, may or may not be working ever, who can say. Um but there's like a let's try stunt aspect to this that I don't like. I will tell you a brief story about the fact that last night my, you know, old self, um, you know, geriatric millennial or whatever it is that we're called, um, watched the VMAs for the first time since I was like 12. Wow. Really? Um, and oh, believe me, I didn't understand what's going on at all. So we're, we were like, John and I were looking at this and going, who are all these people? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> But there was one performer in particular that I wanted to see, and she was, like, the second act up there. So I was excited. I was like, cool, I can watch this and then turn this off whenever I want to. But her performance was put together as though there was a very serious stage malfunction. Like, the pyrotechnic things in the background were malfunctioning. It looked like it was going to hit her. She looked completely freaked out. Some big fabric thing fell down from the ceiling, and then some security guy comes and rushes her off the stage, and then all the lights went out, and we're all going, what just happened? And then the lights come up and she looks totally fine. And it's like, you're like, oh, right, the VMAs, I forgot. They do these stunty things because they think that this is what the kids like. How you do, fellow kids? You know, like, look at this outrageous thing. And you're like, <laughs> actually, is it really that entertaining? Like, I'm not really particularly entertained by the idea that the performer, you know, may or may not be being assailed by the stage set. Like, these are not good stunts, right? And then, so then we look at what happened in week one in the NFL and we're like, I mean, the stuff that, that veered more towards, like, this scripted, stunty stuff was also not great. Like, you know, the Aaron Rodgers business, like, not great. Like, the Bills cratering, not great. Whatever the hell is wrong with the Giants, not great. Although that that was a little funny. It was a little funny. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. But, you know, I mean, yeah, we, we, know, we know you enjoyed it, right? I also enjoyed it because I love bad football when it's funny, and the Giants are great at being bad but also funny. So I love that for them. Big Giants fan, not in the sense that I want them to do well. It's that I want them to keep doing what they're doing because it's amazing. <laughs> Chaos Goblin. Uh, <laughs> Irby, you want to jump in on this one? Uh, yeah, I'm on board with this. When you look at, I mean, you guys mentioned the Giants, and apparently the coordinators are also writers, so they didn't show up. It's the same with Kenny Pickett's arm, uh, things like that. I mean, and even how the week ended. A, yes, a... a a punt return in overtime to end it. Like, that is one of the most ridiculous endings to a football game since Remember the Titans. Okay? <laughs> Sidebar. I do like the movie Remember the Titans. I just hate the ending. Absolutely hate that last play. Uh, if you ever have an issue with that, go watch that again and think about the defense. Why would the defense be all up on the front? And that's a good Hate that play. Stupidest thing ever. But that's what we had. We had a Disney-type end of, like, He's literally going to run, and the punter has no idea to tackle, and this is all over. Fantastic. And flipping. Well, you know, if, if Ryan Gosling knew how to cover somebody properly, they wouldn't have been in that situation to begin with, remember the Titans. 
This is true. This is true. And, <laughs> and neither would the Bills if they hadn't missed a tripping call. So thanks, refs. It's, mm. Yeah. Does that remember the Titans ends with the, the refs missing a critical call that would have changed the outcome of the game? I haven't seen it because I don't like movies about children playing football, but I'm assuming that's not quite how that went. <laughs> no, I'll give you the quick rundown of that one. It's, oh, please it's, don't. It's a short, short <laughs> no, it, it's worth it because it's, it's literally a 70 yards away from the end zone, all they, they have to have a touchdown, no field goal. There's literally like two couple seconds left, and what do they want to run, a reverse? And the kid runs for 70 yards, and the defense is all just watching. I'm like, what do we do? Why would the defense all be up front? Yeah, no, same thing here. It's what what is This is really ending on a punt return. This is ending on a punt return. Fine, whatever. I just, I, uh, whatever. All right. All right, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's flip it over to baseball, shall we? Let's let's talk a little a little September baseball. Samantha, what has caught your eye this week in the ranks of yeah, baseball? Well, let's let's start with another installment or another meeting, I guess I should say, of Lollygagging Book Club, um, of Ooh. which I am the only member. Um, but you know, we will actually. No, Bo has joined me upon occasion. On occasion. Um, Sometimes it has two members. Mostly it has one member. But, you know, you all at home can be free to join, and you should, uh, because I want to recommend a baseball book to you that I, that I thought was really excellent uh, called Why We Love Baseball by Joe Poznanski, who was also the one who wrote the Baseball 100, which I thought was also kind of a worthy read, although it's more of a, eh, you know, you pick it up, you read one, you put it down, you pick it up a week later, you read another one. But this is mostly about what he thinks the greatest and most memorable moments in baseball are. And I thought he did a really, really nice job of this, and you know, anytime you get somebody doing this, you're, you're sort of in danger of either seeing someone's agenda really come through, where a lot of times you'll get stuff like this from, like, you know, the OK Boomer baseball crowd, where it's all just about baseball was so much better way back when, you know, or you get a lot of this stuff that is, like, I think very slanted towards someone's particular agenda, whether that's about a player or a team or an approach to the game or what have you. But this was just really a lovely survey of just all these things that are, like, the stuff that makes baseball great. And he did a fantastic job, I think, of, like, kind of trying to hit stuff for, that applied to each team and, and being very sort of democratic about that, as well as each era. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's newer, um, which I thought was important um, because I think that, we have a lot of baseball histories and I don't know that we need to, you know, hammer every Yankees moment from like before 1950 over and over again. You know, certainly there are some important ones in there that came up, you know, but it's generally things that are more fun. Um, like Babe Ruth's called shot, for example, you know, he talks about that. Was it real? You know, like how did mm -hmm. this affect things? And then, you know, and you also hear, and I, I will tell you that if you are a, uh, a person who is, you know, let's let's say, you know, deeply interested in and, and follows baseball very closely. There's not really a lot in here that you don't already know about. Um, but I found it really enjoyable anyway because it's so much fun to relive these things or go, oh, yeah, that was cool, you know, whether it was something you saw yourself or just something that you know about from reading about baseball and from just sort of immersing yourself in baseball history. And there's always a couple of little interesting tidbits that he puts into kind of each one of these that he talks about and, and there's some little segments, you know, what are the wildest home runs you've ever seen? And, you know, there's a fun little section on, like, what are the funniest things that he thinks have ever happened in baseball? And it's just a really, really good survey that's, like, you know, after you read it, you think, this is why we love baseball so much, right? So 
exactly as the title said. This is why we love baseball. Super cool stuff. It sounds like it. Now, is this something that I have to order online or can I actually go to a physical store and buy it? I don't buy books online. Um, so, so awesome. I would okay. not be able to tell you that. Um, I, I should have just closed this at the beginning. I was sent an <laughs> advanced copy of this. So I did not pay for this and received it before it was out. Um, it is out now, by the way. You can buy it. It has been published. But mm-hmm. um, but yes, no, I did not pay for this book. Full disclosure, you know, I received an advanced copy in exchange for an honest review. This is the thing that I have to disclose about this. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I think it is fairly safe to say that you can find this one in your local Barnes & Noble. It's a pretty big release. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, Irby, any thoughts on this? I'm definitely going to buy it. Well, first, first of all, I have to defend myself real quick. And like Kevin Malone, I do the numbers. Thank you guys for doing the reading. I do the numbers. Um, but with that out of the way, yes, thank you for the review. Uh, I Okay, so I appreciate things like this. Um, one of the big areas I read in, it's kind of the world I live in, in the emergency management world. I love reading about disasters and things I know and hearing a new perspective. So this does intrigue me from that of taking these moments Baseball moments that you know, or I'm, I'm assuming was when reading this, there might be a few that I think I know and going to learn a little bit more of like, wow, did not know about that part of it. So yeah, yeah that does happen a few times. Yeah, good, 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 good. I was like, oh, really? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so not not because you actually had the information incorrect, but probably because either there was more to it than you thought, or you know, there there's some really really interesting stuff in there to that effect. Um, like I just, I you know what? I don't want to spoil it for you. You'll you'll know it when you see it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> cool. All right, Samantha. What else you got? All right. Well, let's 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 have a less positive conversation about baseball, just because this is something that I feel we need to talk about. Um, so Anthony Rendon, uh, no oblong glaze today. Was that the exact quote? Um, is about a week old, but this keeps happening. Um, so we're gonna yeah. bring it up anyway. Um, I have kind of had it with this I'm having a tantrum so I don't have to talk to the media business. Um, Look, everybody has an excuse for why they shouldn't have to answer hard questions. It's part of your job. So we all know because the thing that gets trotted out every single time is that some reporter crossed the line at some point or another and it has happened, certainly, and that would be absolutely grounds for calling that person out or refusing to answer the question or whatever, but I'm really tired of hearing things like that get trotted out as an excuse for I don't want to talk because I'm having a bad day or I'm not going to answer any hard questions because it's too hard on me, it's hard on my mental health. Give me a break. No. We all have to do hard things. This is part of the job that you signed up for. Like, you have to go out there and be accountable. And you don't get to be a giant baby and say, oh, I just can't handle this. I'm too fragile. Because you want us all to praise your toughness when you're playing through an injury or you made a really gritty play or whatever. But then all of a sudden, you're a delicate flower who can't be bothered to explain your poor performance. Like, you know, is somebody asking you a a question, taking a a dig at your character or, you know, coming for you in a way that you feel is, uh, you know, I don't know, a false accusation, then by all means refute it. But you do not get to sit there and say, I can't answer questions today because I'm I'm, I'm too fragile. I'm having a heart. No, then this is not for you. Like, (laughs) this is not the job for you. It is part of your job. 
And like the, the sheer stupidity of it is baffling to me also, because if you just don't want to answer a specific question, like why don't you take a page out of the book of Marshawn Lynch or Bill Belichick and you say something funny, like I'm just here so I don't get fined or on to Cincinnati and then everybody laughs and it's funny and you still didn't have to answer the question. You don't look like a jerk. Like it's yeah. just incredible to me. Like in <laughs> highlighted by the fact that, so many athletes do sit out there and, and are accountable and answer the tough questions. Like, well, then would my, I guess, I guess my question to these guys is, well, what's wrong with you? Like, they seem a lot tougher than you. Like, why, why are you so delicate yeah. that you can't answer these questions? Like, and spare me that it's for my mental health. Like, it's part of your job. You think we don't all have to answer hard questions at work? Yeah. Grow up. Everyone answers our question. No, I, look, I, I'm with you 100% on this one. And this is the kind of nonsense that drives me crazy because – it's just soft players. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. You're just mm -hmm. soft, okay? You screwed up on the field. You got the golden sombrero. You made a, you made a bad play in the field. You cost the team the game. You didn't turn a double play. You, you drop a pop-up, whatever. You still stand in front of your locker and you, and you answer questions about it. That is your job. But it also it's also the character of the player, and it, and it shows the lack of character uh, in, in this particular player. Now, what, would been, what I would have really enjoyed, I mean, this is Southern California, right? Surely there was a Spanish-speaking reporter in there. I would have loved that, that Spanish-speaking reporter to go, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm less funny. You, well, we, you know the joke is he's American, right? No, I like, know that. I know that. He's, he's from America. Like, no, you can't say, like. No, I get that. I get that. But, but when he says that, then to, have, then to have one of those Spanish reporters call him out on it is my point. I understand the joke. I get the joke. Still, get still. Call him out on it. If you're a member of the press and you speak Spanish, they go right into a Spanish interview. Just, just to call him out on. It. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Irby, how about you? Where are you at on this? I well, I'm very excited about this segment that Samantha was bringing. Uh, I even have my skittles here next to me for it, so I feel like having the skittles here, I don't have to answer. Right? I, thank you for bringing that up before. Uh, yeah, this one, I. I, when, I, when it happened, I actually had a few moments of just kind of sitting there and trying to contemplate the fact that you're really doing this. Um, the soft, you guys are spot on. It, it, yeah, this is just, we all, I mean, we're adults here, right? We're adults. Adults listening here, and then even, even, even if there are kids listening here, this is, this is how you be an adult. You make a mistake, I make a mistake, we all make mistakes. I make mistakes every single day. I talk about this with my youth kid. I am not perfect. I will never be perfect. I make mistakes every day. The part of being an adult, part of being a, a, a part of maturity is, is that you own that mistake. And, yeah, you messed up. It wasn't good. Okay? We're trying to learn from here. I mean, we heard that during the, that, the, the, this Ranger slump that they had. Max Scherzer was one of the first ones to jump in there and, and basically say, do you think we're trying to play like this? Like, no, we're trying to right the ship. We're trying to get the job done. And that's what they're looking for. Okay, boom, moving on. But when you give BS like this, yeah, they're going to come back at you. Because that is it. That is this is pure BS. Just no, no. Stop with the faulty language. No, no. Grow up. Grow up. You're getting way overpaid to suck. At least you can go out there and talk about it. 
<laughs> so well put. You're getting way overpaid to suck. I need that on my audio yeah. board. What are they paying you for, <laughs> Anthony? <laughs> you're not talking. You're not playing baseball. Uh, hmm. oh. Yes, that's an excellent point. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to somehow cut that so I can have the uh, the uh, the audio clip for future Irby rants. <laughs> Get Oh boy! All right, I will record it again for you whenever you need it to. I, I think I can pull it from this, but yeah, we'll see. We'll, I'll get into that later. Uh, Samantha, anything you want to add to this before we get into Irby's topics? No, just I now hate this guy. I was kind of neutral on him before. I just kind of thought he sucked, and now I hate him. So yeah, you know, it's 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 weird. Like you know, before he goes to everyone, he was it was. It, I guess I everyone was kind of indifferent. There was nothing to to like or not like about the guy, and then he just turns into this douche. Out there in Anaheim, I don't know what the heck happened to him, but I, mean, I, I just think it's pathetic and deeply unappealing when guys do this. And I will not—I'm not, not going to be a fan of yours if you behave that way. I'm sorry. There's way too many players to pick from that don't do this, right? So, yes. like, like, well, good luck selling jerseys, then, my man. Um, yep. You're certainly not going to sell any because you're good at baseball. Oh, e. Just driving that knife a little bit deeper into that heart. Okay, Irby, how about you? What do you? What do you want to hey, it's okay. Him? We can say what we want. He doesn't speak English, so he doesn't know what we're saying. That's a valid point. Valid I was point. about to say I didn't speak English when, when you implied that I was Jack. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm yeah. No, no English <laughs> today. It's kind of kind of ruins it when you say the word today in English, doesn't it? He said no English today, and you're like, yeah. Mm, you almost made it this sense. So close, Anthony. Any, yeah, kind of like your approach to the plate. So close. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's switch to positive things. Uh, English-speaking, Spanish-speaking, doesn't matter. Japanese-speaking players. Uh, you know what's one thing they're doing? They're moving fast. And this is one of the things we talked about at the beginning of the season. It's no shocker. Stolen bases are up. We're projected to see uh, potentially the second most stolen bases in a season. Uh, the only 1987 season will be the only year um, that is still projected. The, the current projection is not going to get there. But baseball players are stealing and stealing at a high rate. Hey, the, the bigger bases, uh, the limitation on number of disengagements, those things, we kind of knew this was going to happen. But none of this is a shocker. The thing that's going to be interesting is, is we're here. Here we are, mid-September. We've talked about this. We love we love this time of the season, even if it is painful for our home teams and stuff like that. We love getting to this point because once we flip that calendar to October, baseball changes. And it's a different game. It's a different approach, and there's many things that look so much more different. Uh, it, 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 it adds just another layer to this game, and here is one of them that's going to be very intriguing. The use of speed. The, the You know, we, we're seeing teams, it's it, – not only are we stealing more, are there more attempts, the success rate is up. It's at approaching 80%. 80%. So what I'm curious to see as, as these rosters, which are expanded right now, will start bringing themselves back down to that 26 for the postseason, watching specific teams design their roster knowing that you're going to have the, well, the most famous of them is the Dave Roberts situation where we all knew he was still in second and he did got the job done. We're going to have that again. And again, it is the batter. It is the offense. It is their advantage. So I am very intrigued to see as we get into the postseason, as we get towards those roster designations, how those rosters are going to be designed with 
speed in mind? Do you potentially have a player on your roster who is solely for pinch running and a defensive replacement? Oh, I think you definitely will. Samantha, I mean, I, I really, I, I think that's a no-brainer to me, especially when, when you look at these post-season, potential postseason matchups. These are going to be, as always, close games. So that, that seems like a no-brainer to me. You know, I think it's, it's a really interesting question because I think it kind of depends who you are. So some of it is probably about do you already have a number of fast guys who would be in your everyday lineup? Um, probably you are less incentivized to do this if you do. Um, I also think you're less incentivized to do this if you have a shaky bullpen because you're going to need to add more bullpen people and ultimately the bullpen, the additional bullpen piece is probably worth more to you than the pinch runner, right? But if neither of those things apply to you, and, and there are a number of teams who are going to be in the mix who I don't think either of those things apply to, um, then, yeah, I think you're absolutely rostering somebody for this reason. And I know it's and it's a tough call, and that's kind of what makes it interesting, and it's why I think sort of like the you know, roster Tetris that we get into going into the postseason is fascinating and it's only getting more interesting because of stuff like this because you already have this weird situation where, you know, you have to figure out, you know, how many pitchers can I roster? You know, do you add another starter? You know, how many, you know, are you trying to add lefties, for example, even though we really don't have loogies anymore, but do you need the left-handed pitching because you want to go match up on some of these? You know, there's so many little weird moving parts here and particularly because some of the pitchers who are having a lot of trouble with the pitch clock um, are a lot easier to steal on now, right? I mean, I, my best mm-hmm, example mm-hmm. is somebody who's probably not going to be there in Emmanuel Class A, which is the way that he held runners on previously was by slowing down, by working really, really slowly. And because he can't do that anymore, he is A, getting pitch clock violations, and B, like, the runners are just going wild on the base pass because they can. And he's not the only one. So, I mean, is there some strategy to be had there, too? I mean, you can't do it every series, but when the roster's reset, as long as we're talking about somebody who's on your 40-man who's proposed he's ineligible, do you even switch that up according to who your opponent is and who you think will be easy to steal off of? Or anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, just that this is this is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch how this is all designed, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Point. And, yeah, it's, you know, hey, speed, speed kills. And I, 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 I love just when it is the, the long-term effect of this, of what are we going to see next season, how are, you know, what are teams going to do in the offseason to combat with pitching with catchers and try to reduce this number back now. I, this is the beauty of baseball, and I know it happens in lots of sports, but I love it when it happens with baseball here is it's that, that ballet between the two of like, okay, now you've done this. How do I adjust? How do you adjust to this? How do you adjust to that? And these numbers are way up. And what are you going to do about it on the pitching defense? Of that? All right. What else do you have for us? Well, the, the next little bit I have is a fun little nugget that I'm sure doesn't shock you guys at all. Um, this has been yet another wonderful season for baseball in attendance-wise. Um, this happens at the major and at the minor league level. Both are seeing huge spikes um, from multiple teams year over year. Uh, we've got a great, you know, I mean, this this is we're looking at right now the attendance rising from last year. This is going to be potentially the biggest percentage jump since 1998, uh, which also was because of expansion. But it's wonderful to see where. Baseball is getting back to it's the, it's that 70 million mark. We're, we're we're projected for over 70 million people going to baseball games this season, and that's a number that hasn't been there since 2017. Um, in 2018, 19, it was just right below. But 
it's wonderful to see that this is moving forward, and it's not just at the major league level. It's at the minor league level uh, that we're getting back to the ballpark. I know with the COVID and we lost all that, and no need to get too much into that, but baseball's on the rise. It's, it's, it's on the rise, and I love, too, that it's happening in places that we haven't seen in the past. If, if you compare um, from pre-COVID, uh, 2018, that, that, that last big year of full season, no, 2017, 2018 through this year, a five-year run there, uh, more than half the teams have seen an increase. And, and it's fun to see the ones that the Padres have seen a big jump. The Marlins have seen a big jump. We're seeing a rise from the Blue Jays again. Uh, the Rays are getting a big jump as well. Uh, the Rangers are another one. The Reds, the Baltimore Orioles, Seattle Mariners, like these teams that are boom, 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 boom. And it's and it's even fun when you look at some of these other teams like the um, St. Louis Cardinals and the, the Cleveland Guardians where their number is actually a 1-2 percentage up. That's a good number because those are stadiums that were already getting high crowds. And so adding that much more, it's just wonderful. We're averaging over 38,000 people showing up to games day in and day out. And that is a wonderful thing and a great direction. You know, a lot of those teams you routed off are teams that are having surprisingly good seasons after periods of bad. Um, I, although I, I will say this, you know, obviously the Orioles were good last year. I don't think there's a ballpark I would love to watch a baseball game in more right now than Camden Yards in Baltimore. Because that place has got to be just pure electricity right now uh, because of what the Orioles have done this season. But back to, you know, back to this point here, Samantha, like it's... I, I, th- I do think it's a combination of things. It, it's it's not just that you, you've got teams that are better than they were a year ago. They're coming out. They're coming off some rebuilds. Maybe getting here a little early, like the Diamondbacks, like the Rangers. It's also th- these these rules that have cut down on the time of the game. And I've I've got friends that had sworn off baseball. It's too long. It's too boring. It's too. They find out that game times are two two and a half hours instead of three to three and a half hours. All of a sudden, it's oh maybe I'll catch a game. I think it's a combination of the two here, and that's why you've seen it even with teams that don't struggle at the gate. Even they're getting the bump from this. That, to me, is a little bit more of these of these rules changes than it's just teams getting better. Yeah, I think you have individual – the teams that have a lot of the more dramatic spikes, I, I think there's a huge piece of that that is absolutely about – You know, I know that this was talked about a lot with the, the Mariners and the Orioles specifically, where a team does surprisingly well the season before, you get a huge jump in ticket sales. So that um, is, as you pointed out, both can't explain the whole thing because that basically happens every year. Right? right, so yeah. if the spikes are more dramatic this year, that means there's something else at work, and it also doesn't explain, like you said, when we talk about teams, you know, you mentioned Cleveland and St. Louis, I would throw Boston in there as well, you know, other teams like that, teams that are, I mean, I know the Cardinals are really bad, but, um, you know, that's these teams draw anyway, but now they're drawing more, and while the spike is not as big, that just means that these weren't teams that had trouble selling tickets, and now they're selling tickets on top of that which is where I think we come in with the rule changes. Mm-hmm. And mostly that's about time of game. Like, I don't think people who would never go to a baseball game before are like, I'm going to go to more games because the bases are bigger, so people are going to steal bases. <laughs> or I'm going to go to more games because Corey Seager might get more hits because they're not allowed to shift anymore. Like, does that person even know about that? Probably not. But I bet they know about the fact that a baseball game now takes two to two and a half hours, and that. Mm-hmm. is going to make a huge difference, which is absolutely, you're 100% right, why you get the spike across the league and why you get upticks even with teams that were already and traditionally tend to draw well consistently. Okay, Irby, anything you want to add here? 
Yeah, just the last bit. I mean, it's right on what you guys are saying. There's only six teams from last year to this year that have seen a drop in attendance. Is it the Yankees? <laughs> no, the Yankees are actually up. The Yankees are up over 3,000. Wow. Which is, which is New even question. with the struggle. When were those tickets purchased? <laughs> That's true. That's true. This is, I mean, this does bring in season tickets and those multi-game packets as well. But, but the, the, the six that are down, uh, the Tigers, the Cardinals, the Giants, the Rockies, and then the big drops are the Nationals and the White Sox. That, that all makes sense to me. Um, and, and the Rockies, I would point this out, the Rockies are actually very well attended. Um, so the drop there probably doesn't mean anything. They, they, are, they draw a lot, despite the fact that well, their team and is that bad, one too. because it's a fun experience. Like, everybody loves yes. the ballpark, right? So. And, and, I will, and, and I'll go even deeper. The Rockies' number is down 367. The Giants is down 141. The Cardinals, 120. The Tigers, 81. So... I mean, those four are kind of like, yeah, it's down technically, but not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would describe those more as, well, it's not up rather than it's down. And the other two, we get it. <laughs> we get it. Yes. Why it's down. Yeah. Um, yikes. But even the A's are up. Yep. Good job, Oakland. I, well, that's because I mean, of one like, game, right? Like, like, cause, cause that attendance is so bad. That one reverse protest night probably has them up a percentage point or two. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So, uh, a couple of mine before we get into, uh, let's remember some trades. Uh, we, we just talked about a couple of these teams with the attendance. Let's talk about them here in terms of the playoff races. The, the Jays and the Rangers are in the middle of a four game set. As we're recording this, their game three is in progress with the Rangers up seven to nothing. If they can hang on, that's three straight. Samantha for the Rangers in Toronto, which, which, I mean, this this says more about the Blue Jays, doesn't it? It's you know this this was the first of of many series over the over the over the last three weeks of the season where they need to play well, and they haven't really played very well. Um, I mean, yes, I, I do think. I mean, I. In all fairness, I, I think it also says something about the Rangers, something in the opposite direction, something quite good. Like, hey, like, <laughs> we're, it, you fell off a little bit, but you, you recovered, right? You bounced back. But, like, I would contend that um, the the team that maybe really says a lot about Seattle, because <laughs> Toronto's dropped three games in a row, and Seattle, like, can't figure out how to, how to open up a lead there. Um, so, fair. yikes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they do, to be fair, they have as of this recording, one, two in a row and finally got themselves back in front of Toronto by a half game. But, like, what are you guys doing? Like, you weren't you winning your division, like, a week ago? Like, what happened to you? <laughs> like, they ran it. I don't know, man. I, I just, like, I, there's these three teams, and, like, every week I change my mind. Like, Texas, Seattle, Toronto. Like, which one of you just decided you didn't want this? Like, it's like, and it's shifted a number of times. And I hope it's not Texas. But, like, and, and I think Texas is already taking their turn at that, so I, I feel pretty good about where the Rangers are at right now. But the other two, geez, man, I don't know about this. I, and Toronto, I have more questions about Toronto than Seattle at this point, even yeah, if I am I kind of coming at Seattle harder for being like, how could you not take advantage of this, you idiots? But, I, yeah, I, Toronto is, I think, the, the team that I have a lot of questions about, uh, you know. When it's time to get down to brass tacks, this is what you do. This is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed yeah. for them. No, it's, it's it's three up, three down, if this lead holds 
<clears throat> which is, as a reminder, everybody, we record on Wednesday nights, so that's why we're saying if this leads, if this lead holds. Um, but no, Irby, Irby, I mean, it's 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 amazing. You know, you you start hitting with the runners in scoring position and stop coughing up leads late. You win baseball games, which is why Texas has turned this thing around a little bit. And you know, talk about the Mariners. We also talk about the Astros struggling with the A's this week. The Mariners are struggling with the Angels. So now the AOS is suddenly back in play for these Rangers. Uh, yeah, so I'll take the Toronto one first. With, I'm with you guys, too. This is a Blue Jays team that you looked at this with, with what we were looking at two weeks ago with Houston, Seattle, and Texas just already there to beat each other up. It's like, hey, great opportunity for y'all to come flying through this. Um, oh, and by the way, leading, during that entire time, you were playing the Nationals, the Rockies, the A's, and the Royals, in which they did solid. They could have done better, and then you come into this of like, wow, here we go, and you've got this Texas. After this, it's nothing but ALE's team, so it does not get easier. They've got games with Tampa coming up, so Toronto, it doesn't get any easier. Um, Seattle, the other one there, what you're saying, yeah, Seattle, their schedule gets real hard real fast. Um, they needed these these Angels wins, and they did get two of the three, so they won the series, but it's, it's Dodgers. Um, and then they've got their last 10 is with Texas and Houston. So, like, like you said, Bo, the, the West is not over with. The most comfortable one looks like Houston. Houston just needs, you know, I'm sure they're more than excited to be done with Oakland. Uh, yeah. Who would have thought we, you know, three months ago we'd be saying that, that teams would be glad to be done with Oakland. Um, but that is that is what after tonight, and they looks like they're in great shape right now to get that one, that they will be done. And, I, I, Houston, it feels like, yeah, this is the this is where it was supposed to be. Houston was supposed to win this division. That's probably how this is going to play out. Um, they're, they've got those three games with Seattle, but that's the only thing they have left against the division. It's kind of weird how the schedule-making works. They are done with Texas. They are done with the Angels. They have the three with Seattle, and that's it. So it comes down to Seattle and Texas. So Houston, you take care of business. You got it. Seattle and Texas. I, it should be a situation with seven remaining that these two are going to be battling each other out for that one of those two remaining spots. But like you guys said, Toronto look, look it looks horrible. I mean, they, I saw the stat tonight that Vladimir Guerrero in the last month is batting below 200. His OPS is below 600. Wow. Wow. Well... It is, these Blue Jays need to turn around and turn around fast. Uh, Smith, anything you want to add to this? No. No? <laughs> All right, so how about this? Before we get into this trade, one one more thing. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of go with what you guys have been doing with, you know, one one fun and one one kind of like a – kind of like a, it's, it's, it's not really a, a downer. It's kind of more of a complaint. Uh, do we really have to have people paying to throw ceremonial first pitches every game? Do we need one every single game? How about we have one for um, Adrian Beltre night in, in Arlington? Okay, Adrian Beltre gets out the first pitch. We're going to retire a number. Uh, the president is in town. That Those all seem like <clears throat> legitimate reasons to have a ceremonial first pitch. Um Average Joe paying an extra couple thousand dollars because he really wants to throw a pitch from the mound and then before a baseball game. That's not what we should be doing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just the old guy that's yelling at the kids on his lawn. But I feel like there's I've had enough of these ceremonial ceremonial first pitches from people that are not known. 
Well, and all the people doing it are old guys yelling at kids on their lawn. So I think you're safe there because those are the people that actually want this to happen because they're the ones that pay to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I am. This drives me absolutely crazy. I think this is the stupidest thing ever. I can't stand it. Like I ceremonial first pitches. There are like four situations in which I find this acceptable. Um, former player, former player who's beloved in the city. Sure. Let that guy throw out a first pitch when he's in town. I'm good with that. Um, the president is in town. Sure. The president can throw out the first pitch. Um, sick child, child with cancer, last wish, whatever. Absolutely. Let the kid throw out the first pitch. And also big time celebrity who is in town and it might be funny. Yes, let Mariah Carey throw another pitch. It was funny. <laughs> I'm okay with that. That's fair. What I don't want is like Bob from accounting, whose birthday present it is this year, is to go out and throw out the first pitch, which will entertain no one except for Bob and Bob's wife. So, no, like, <laughs> this is stupid. You're a baseball team. You don't make enough money off of this to justify it. It's absolutely unnecessary it's absurd it's always some person who you just know you would hate if you met them like i'm throwing out the first pitch as though and every one of them talks about it like they're being honored like nobody's honoring you pal you paid for this like i oh god it's it's such attention-seeking behavior i put it up there with hecklers and ballpark proposals it's just like oh here are all the people who go to a baseball game and try to make it about themselves mm-hmm. No, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I also, I also, I really need to watch Office Space now because you made me think about the Bobs. So thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> I, I would let them throw out the first pitch. Yes, um, that would be okay with me. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Irby, how about you? Any thoughts here? Oh, thank you, Bell. Yeah, who, who's throwing out the first pitch? Uh, Nasir, Naka, Naka, uh, Naka, throw out the first anymore. pitch. <laughs> Michael Bolton? Uh-huh. <laughs> Michael Bolton throw out the first pitch. Oh, who is this guy? Is that your real name? Sorry, I go by Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I look, I'm, I, I like what you're saying that um, there can be some wonderful moments. Uh, where this is a pretty cool thing, and then after that, please go Huber Base. Uh, so I'll go ahead and just double down on that, and if we're going to have the celebrity out throwing the first pitch, then let's put a celebrity in the batter's box and have the first swing and just see how pathetic that could be as well. And just, oh, God. Wow, this is not something y'all should be doing. He shows violence. <laughs> yeah, ceremonial first swing. Oh, no. Oh, boy. All right, well... I think it's time to remember a trade. Samantha, you want to you want to take us back into into, into baseball history uh, for uh, for a few minutes? Yeah. So, quick reminder, guys. This is just like let's remember a guy or let's remember some guys. Except it's let's remember some trades. So, we're gonna you guys can play along at home. Um, I'm gonna give these guys the date of the trade. I'm gonna give them one of the teams involved, and then we're gonna let them answer ask yes or no questions. Um, actually, we do answer some that are not yes or no questions, but we're going to let them answer questions and see how many pieces of this trade they can get. And they've been pretty good at it, so you guys can kind of uh, join us at home and see how well you do as well. So this year, we are going back to Friday, July 28th in the year 2000, so kind of far back, but uh, not as far back as we can go in this. Um, but this is a, a trade deadline deal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the teams involved here is the Milwaukee Brewers. 
Is this that's too early for the Sabathia trade, right? That was 2008. Yeah, so well, that's way early. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. It's an interesting thing for you to bring up, though. Let me put it that way. Okay. Um, and that's a that's a hint for you there. It's an interesting thing that you have brought up. Yeah, but I was way off. <laughs> yeah, but there's something about it. Okay. It's a hint. Is all I'm saying. Oh, okay. Two thousand. Come on, guys. There are some questions out there. Well, trying, sorry, I'm trying to get myself the mindset. I know we're slow. See, this is where we, this is where we struggle. Um, we sure hit. You got me thrown off. Like I'm trying to think through good teams. Like there's something with like, what would? Yeah, what would, that's got me stumped too. Um, this is. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So 2000. Well, hang on. Brewers. Was, was this also a trade? I would, well, not also, but was this a trade with the Indians? Yes, yes, is very that, good, very that, good. That, oh. that's the I was trying to give you. Yes, this is a trade okay. between the Brewers and the Indians. Right. Yes, got it. Okay, Brewers. And they were, and by the way, they were the Indians, and so we will be referring to them as such going forward for the duration of this podcast. So, yes. just FYI. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I think I know the big name here. Because I hate this guy. Oh, man. <laughs> well, where is this person going? Which, which direction is this person going in? We, we haven't established be, that yet. So. Oh, oh. Um, he would be going to Milwaukee. Yeah, so there's a, there's a big piece going both ways. But I'm sure you don't hate the other one, the one that went the other way. So, yeah, that's the guy. Probably not. It's yeah, I, I don't think you would. I can't imagine anyone hating the one that went the other way. So, um, I, I feel pretty real obvious it's the one that we're going to hate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know which one it is. So, um, okay. All right. So, okay. So, we're pretty sure Irby knows one piece of this, right? Um, there are a number of moving parts in this. Um, I don't actually expect you to get all of them. I, I expect you to get the two big pieces and then maybe. There are, there are three additional pieces that I think you get to that I would not expect you to get at all. So there's a lot of moving parts here. Um, does anybody want to take a gander at... Is it just the two teams? Yeah, it's just the two teams. Okay. But okay. there are seven players moving in Ooh, this deal. Seven players. So, yeah, two... I will insist that you get three. I think you can get two. Forget it. We'll just read their names at the end. Um, but but there, there's a, a fair amount of like reasonable, like major league action happening in this trade. Um, so, and actually, the the player to be named later, who was the you know the the biggest unknown piece here, actually does become a, a major leaguer who I'm confident you can get. So, mm. it's always that throw-in player. I'm trying to remember both these teams in 2000. Yeah, I mean, it helps think know. about what they would have been looking for at the mm -hmm. time. Because mm -hmm. back then, okay, the, back then the Indians had a heck of a lot of offense. Maybe they're going for pitching. Maybe. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, yeah. What, what did they need? What what would they have needed in this specific year? You guys might not know this, but there, there was a, a super specific thing that they would have needed. Oh yes, yeah, it would have been closer. Yes. Um, okay. Now I've got. Okay, I got. I got one on each side. Okay, so Irby, I think we've. I think we've kind of given everybody long enough. So why don't you tell everybody who the big pieces are and which which way they're going? So um, the the Milwaukee Brewers are getting the seven foot eight. No, he wasn't that tall. But um, the player to be hated later is is Richie Sexton. Yes, Richie Sexton. Yes, oh. he was probably didn't really start six, hating that guy because he was like, in Seattle. Six oh, foot eight at God. least. So yes, he is one tall dude. Forget um, about yeah. Sexton. Yeah. See, I didn't hate him, so it's um, easy to forget him. <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately cannot forget Richie Sexton. I do not consider my experience with him to be a positive one. Um, yeah, so, I, I'm not saying anything about him personally. I'm sure, he's perfectly. But it's, um, um, I'm saying yeah, my the big experience piece, was negative. <laughs> the, the the big piece that uh, your your Indians would have received was the closer at the time, uh, Bob Wickman. Yes. Oh wow, Bob. Wickman. Yeah. Yes. Who goes on actually to be a pretty successful closer for Cleveland and, and stayed there for for a pretty good amount of time actually um, six years I think and, and of course authored the original Walk Off Bach um, which we love so um, <laughs> <laughs> or I'm sorry I'm sorry I shouldn't say Walk Off Bach I they did win that game on um, the intentional Bach I should say ah, see yeah see I, I remember I remember Sexton being dealt. I just didn't remember. I didn't remember what what the Indians got. Okay, Wickman, that makes sense. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and and he would of course go on to have his most productive years in Milwaukee. So, it's. I mean, I think Milwaukee is considered the winner of this trade. To me, it was kind of a wash. I, you know, Cleveland didn't really need Sexton, and nobody needs Sexton. Who, who knows if he <laughs> tells how you really feel? <laughs> I, I don't like him. Yeah, I feel um, and, and certainly Wickman was an incredibly important piece for, for the Indians, so I'm not sure there's a real winner or loser here, even when you throw in the additional pieces, but, uh, you know, it's they're both buying, essentially. Everybody's buying something they need, right? So we don't really have a buyer and a seller here. We have two buyers. Um, so there's a lot of other, like, you know, junk thrown in here. So um, I'll give you guys a couple of hints to kind of try to help you. Um, the, the other two players that are going to Cleveland are both pitchers. They're both right-handed pitchers. Um, starters, or at least starters at some point in their career. Um, older guys, so guys who had been in the league prior to this, um, one who had been in the league since 97 and one who had been in the league since 93. So, does anybody have any idea who these guys are? Or do you want me to give you another hint? Ninety-three. We may need to. <laughs> Man, starters, you said, and nothing sticking out. Nothing's really yeah. Sticking out. So, one of them did play for Texas for one year in two thousand two. Who would not? I don't believe he would have been a starter at that point, but he did spend one year in Texas in two thousand two. And then he went to Boston, and then he retired. Um. The other one, I think you would mostly know as a Chicago White Sox. Um, he was there from 1993 to 
Anybody? Nobody? No. <laughs> Sorry, I don't really yeah. have any additional uh, hints I can give you because the only thing I know about, well, I'll tell you this later in the where are they now section, but it's going to be a disappointing where are they now section, by the way. I could not find most of these guys. I have no idea what happened to most of them. So if anybody knows, let it, please, you know, write us and tell us. But, um, okay, so why don't I tell you who these guys are so we don't drag this out forever. Um, you're, you guys, you will have heard of these guys. Steve Woodward. Um, oh, that's the first Oh, yeah. Um, he was a Texas Ranger at yeah. one point in time. Yep. Very short career, um, not particularly productive career. And then a guy who had a more productive career, he was just kind of on the back end of it by the time this trade happened, and that's Jason Bure. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. It's, it's, so There's definitely a name I have not heard in a long time. I, yeah, but, right? Like, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. Like, talk about remembering <laughs> a guy, you know. Is that one of the ones you couldn't find know. where he is today? No, 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 no. Um, okay. No, him, I, you know, he was... Actually, one of the easier ones. Um, oh. uh, but um, no, no. But there, there are a few gentlemen who didn't really ever do much of anything. I think who are a little bit more difficult. Um, and there, so two of these guys going to Milwaukee. I'm just going to tell you who they are because I'm not going to know them. Um, Paul Rigdon and Kane Davis, also both right-handed pitchers. Um, Kane Davis sounds like a villain in a comic book. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he does. Um, so those are two. You've been caned. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so there are those two. Um, but there's also the player to be named later. And this is the one that I would like you guys to get because you guys definitely know who this person oh, is. Um, so your manager, your current manager, this, this will give you a hint if you kind of think through it. Your current manager cited him as an all-time favorite player. So you can assume that this gentleman played for your manager at some point in the past. That, that's Bruce Bochy, if you're playing along at home. Um, I would say, probably not a current Ranger. <laughs> so, yeah, they would be really old, um, but this, this person is 47 now, so he is not a current Ranger. Um, just, a, just a tick older than Max Scherzer. Um, haha. But uh, <laughs> long past his playing days. But um, he, he did spend some time with Bruce Bochy. Um, so that is perhaps something to keep in mind. Um, interestingly, I think of him primarily as a member of another team, um, a team in your division. Um, and But he was the player to be named later at this time. He was still a minor leaguer. He does go on to have a, a pretty good major league career. Um, I think he, he debuts in 2002, and he makes it all the way to 2014. So pretty pretty good career. Okay, where was Bochi in All right, so Bochi, well, it doesn't necessarily mean Bochi wouldn't have been managing. Yeah, this, this might be later on. It's the, did you say pitcher, fielder, hitter? I didn't. Did we say that? Okay. Okay. Um, are you asking me that, or what are you asking? Sure. Is he a, is he a, is he, is he a hitter? Yes, he's a hitter. Okay. So not a pitcher. You would probably OG think of him point. primarily as a utility guy. That's what, yeah, okay. And he's well known for playing in a different AL West. That's how I think of him. Um, I think of him as, when I think of this guy, I think of him in this uniform, and it's a different AL West team. It's not the Rangers. You can throw that one out. Um, but 
obviously, you know, the, the Bruce Bochy piece of this is something else you might want to consider if that helps you. Well, that's what, okay, what are the three World Series years for the Giants? So, that's uh, that's nine, nine, nine. Yeah, hours, he was 10, 12, and 14. 10, yeah, 12, and 14. So, so I'm going to so get got, to the Giant at yes, that time. That's correct. Okay. And if he debuted in 02, not a young player, so that's near the end of our career. Right. Utility infielder. That's, I feel like i got to walk around. Okay, I'm, I'm playing this out. I'm playing this out. Wait. I feel like I'm on my interview last night, Samantha. You got me rolling now. All right. Utility infielder. Bochy's got it at the end of his career. This is one of his favorite players because he's well-known in the AL West. Uh, or that's how you see him. Not well-known. That's right. how you no, remember I him. I think of him primarily as a utility player for a very specific AL West team. Like, that's the uniform I see him in. And it. Okay, quick question then. On the AOS team, is that AOS team from when he was playing, or is that including the Astros? Um, it's not. It's not the Astros. Okay. Well, oh, good question. Okay. Move, move so, point. okay. A's, A's Seattle Angels. Angels. Um, oh, it's Marco Sudero. Yes. Good job. Oh! Good oh, wow. job. I'm impressed you got there from that. Good job. No, it's the Oakland. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Do you? So you? Okay. Good. So you also think of him as an Oakland. But he played in multiple places. Yeah. Like he oh, did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We got a long list. We'll we'll get to all of them when we do our where are they now? But yeah, yeah. He played in many many places and Oakland oh, I, early yeah. in his career. And I, San Francisco was the end of his the, career. And for the life of me, I don't remember him in San Francisco, even though the Rangers played San Francisco oh, yeah. in the 10 World Series. I don't remember him. Mm. No, 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 no. He, no, it's 12, 12. He doesn't, he's not in San Francisco until 2012. He was oh. in Boston in 2010. That's why okay. you, you, he wouldn't have been part of that. Okay, well, that explains that then. Okay. Wow, he was <laughs> Boston in 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he... That I remember. So, so th- he was part of that trade as a minor leaguer. Mm-hmm. But he did. Did he play for Milwaukee? I can't see no. him in a. No. Oh, he okay. That's why. Okay. Yeah. Like okay. he basically got waived, um, so that they could make room for another player, and the Mets picked him up, and he makes his debut with the Mets two years later in two thousand two. Wow. He was waived during the offseason in 2002. So, but great job. Um, very, very impressed you were able to figure that out that way. So, good job. Good job. Um, I was walking. It was the Skittles earlier and then walking around. <laughs> it, does ha- I, it does help. I'm telling you. Pacing. The kick in later. <laughs> um, I meant the walking, but I guess now we do have to consider the Skittles as well. Um, could be both. Maybe both. Um all right, so where are they now? Um, like I said, I have some rough news for you guys. Most of these people, I don't know where they are. So if you know where they are and you're listening at home, hit us up. We love when somebody comes back and tells us. So we always want to know, right? So, all right, we'll start with Bob Whitman, of course, uh, who was a New York Yankee from 1992 to 1996. Um, everybody probably remembers the story about him puking to make weight um, which is what caused the Yankees to do away with their weight limit because they found out that this guy was throwing up all his food before games to make weight, which is awful. So 
Uh, that was how he started out. Went to Milwaukee in 1996, was there obviously through 2000, and he's in Cleveland through 2006. He goes to Atlanta in 2006, stays there through 2007, and then moves to Arizona in 2007 for the end of his career. Um, fun fact, Bob Wickman is missing part of the index finger on his right hand due to a childhood farming accident. Like, I mean, I don't know, what center are we living in? childhood farming accident like are we sure he's 54 and not 154 weird right but anyway not sure what he's up to these days probably not farming um Mm -mm. steve woodward brewer from 97 to 2000 cleveland 2000 2001 texas in 2002 as we mentioned and then rounded out boston in 2003 i have no idea where steve woodward is so let me know if you do uh, Jason Beret uh, began his career as a Chicago White Sox, and this is kind of how I think of him as a White Sox, from 93 to 98. He was in Cincinnati from 98 to 99, Milwaukee from 99 to 2000, Cleveland uh, for the remainder of the 2000 season, and then with the Cubs from 2001 to 2002, and then comes back to Cleveland in 2003, retires, and then very briefly uh, becomes a bullpen coach for Cleveland. He was relieved of his duties in 2017. Uh, Richie Sexton. Debuts in Cleveland in 97. He is there till 2000. Uh, Milwaukee then, of course, from 2000 to 2003. He goes to Arizona in 2004. Seattle from 2005 to 2008. And the Yankees uh, to close it out at the end of 2008. Um, he, we do know where he is. Uh, he was a, a high school coach for a good bit of time in Oregon um, and is now the manager of the Windy City Thunderbolts uh, in the Frontier League. So he's he's trying his hand at coaching. Um his fellow Paul Rigdon, uh, Cleveland in 2000, Milwaukee from 2000 to 2001. And guess what, you guys? There's no other information on this dude. I have no idea what happened to him. Uh, Kate, <laughs> so, you know, rough. He played baseball for two years, and then he dropped off the face of the earth, apparently. Um, was, was he recruited Kate, into the agency? I'm just, I'm just asking. Like, I mean, I, can't, I don't know that he wasn't <laughs> recruited into the agency, so something to think about. Um uh, and our show is passed. <laughs> <laughs> okay with that. Good. Does that count as, does that count as a listener? Do they all have to listen? I think fair. Um, so, yeah. uh, Kane Davis uh, lasted a bit longer. Um, you know, Bo's villain here. Uh, you know, Cleveland and then Milwaukee in 2000. He goes to Colorado in 2001. The Mets in 2002. Uh, out with an injury for a while. In Milwaukee again in 2005. In 2006, he does the stint with the Somerset Patriots in the Atlantic League. Uh, goes to Philadelphia in 2007, goes to the Kia Tigers and the KBO in 2008, and then spends two more years in the Atlantic League from 2009 to 2010. And then finally, Marco Scudero, uh, we mentioned he does not make it to the majors with Milwaukee, gets waived, ends up on the Mets and makes his debut in 2002. He's there for two years, then he goes to Oakland for 2004 to 2007, then it's Toronto in 2008 to 2009, Boston 2010 to 2011, Colorado in 2012, and then to round it out, two World Series rings in San Francisco from 2012 to 2014. Wow. This is one of my things that I love about this segment so much is um, Jason Bray first and now Scudero. To to have two players that – you say the name and I see White Sox. You say the name and I see A's. But then to realize, wow, you were in a lot of places. And then as you're saying that, like, in Scudero, the Giants, obviously, but, like, the Red Sox, like, okay, I can see it. The, but some of those, I'm like, nope, nope, 
Nope, don't remember that. <laughs> I, yeah, it's weird, right? Because and it's not always the ones where they stayed the longest or were the best, right? And some of them, and sometimes you can figure it out, like where you're like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy because he was in my division, or I don't remember this guy because he was in a division that I never paid attention to. But it doesn't yeah. always work like that. Because you're right, you know, Jason Beret to me was like, I mean, I knew he played for the Indians because I knew that he was later hired to be a bullpen coach there. So that's a little bit like of a cheat on my part. But mostly, you know, I knew him as a White Sox. Like, I, all the stuff in between, like, I didn't remember that he was part of this trade until I looked it up for you guys. Like, I had no idea. You know, don't remember that at all. And I, that was a weird one. And Scudero, I do remember him in Boston, actually. Yeah. And, and Oakland, of course, and, and San Francisco, but the rest... Forget it, you know. And the oh. rest of these guys, you know, even Bob Wickman. I mean, I I could have I could have told you Yankees, Brewers, and, and Indians, but beyond that, I I mean, I guess I probably would have said I know he played for some other teams, but I didn't no recollection of him being traded to Atlanta. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> but that is another thing that happened. But it isn't it isn't it interesting how when you see them in your head, they're in a certain uniform, and it doesn't necessarily line up with like the uniform you should see them in from like a universal baseball standpoint. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun years from now when we look back at like players, and you can be the ones we know, like you, Darvish. What uniform will you remember him? But but then lesser known players like a, like one of our favorite Brett Phillips like what uniform will we remember Brett? Rays. Will it be a raise. Raise. Yeah, exactly. Like it, yeah, and, and he may play a few more years for the same team, but it'll always be no. Nah, I remember him pitching for the Rays, and he wasn't a pitcher. <laughs> See, and this is where I wish that none of us had jobs and we had infinite amounts of times because then I would demand that we spend like weeks sitting around listing out players of interest, talking about where we would put them now. And then we're going to bury that in somebody's yard. And then we're going to dig it up in 20 years and see, and we're going to ask ourselves where you remember this person being. And we see if it matches. Oh man. I wish I had like 10,000 hours of free time to do this. Fascinating. <laughs> All right. Everybody quit your job. Let's work on this project. Um, <sighs> you know, if wishing made it so, <laughs> Only I could just make remembering some guys my full-time job and your full-time job and your full-time job. Very disappointing. Sadly, I, I do not think that the economy will support a podcast that does nothing but remember some guys. So we never know. Probably not going to be our full-time job. But <laughs> you never know. It's possible. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Wherever you're listening to us at, give us a like, give us a subscription. Help us out with that algorithm. Until next week, watch some baseball. It's good for you. <laughs>